be in Joshua 18. Joshua 18 is uh, where we'll begin. The first 10 verses uh, do not just have a list of names, but let's look at these words. Uh, Joshua 18 said, The whole congregation of the sons of Israel assembled themselves at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. And the land was subdued before them. There remained among the sons of Israel seven tribes who had not divided their inheritance. So Joshua said to the sons of Israel, How long will you put off entering to take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? Provide for yourselves three men from each tribe that I may send them and they may arise and walk through the land and write a description of it according to their inheritance. Then they shall return to me. They shall divide into divide it into seven portions. Judah shall stay in its territory on the south, and the house of Joseph will stay in its territory on the north. You shall describe the land in seven divisions and bring the description here to me. I will cast lots for you before the Lord our God. For the Levites have no portion among you, because the priesthood of the Lord is their inheritance. Gad and Reuben and the half-tribe of Manasseh also have received their inheritance eastward beyond the Jordan, which Moses the servant of the Lord had given them. Then the men arose and went, and Joshua commanded those who went to describe the land, saying, Go and walk through the land and describe it and return to me. Then I will cast lots for you here before the Lord in Shiloh. So the men went and passed through the land and described it by cities in seven divisions in a book. And they came out and they came to Joshua to the camp at Shiloh. And Joshua cast lots for them in Shiloh before the Lord. And the Lord divided the land to the sons of Israel according to their divisions. Now... One of the things that Paul had asked, what tribes have we seen given their inheritance to this point? What tribes have we seen given their inheritance? Reuben. Okay, Reuben. Gad, half the tribe of Manasseh. Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, right here. Okay, that was in Joshua chapter 13. These on the other side of the Jordan. Uh, They fought for their brothers, but yet wanted to come back and occupy this land on the east of Jordan. Then who did we see in Joshua 15 receive the land? Judah. Judah receives the land in Joshua chapter 15. 63 verses given to Judah because they are going to be a key point of emphasis in Israel's history. In Joshua 16 and 17, who did we see? Ephraim in 16 and the other half of Manasseh. Other half of Manasseh, 17. Now, so this leaves the other tribes here on the western part, part of the Jordan to receive their inheritance. All of them will be received their allotment of land in 18 and 19. Then when we get to 20, it'll be the cities of refuge. 21 will be the cities devoted to the Levites. And uh, But uh, looking at this particular text, um, one of the things that uh, Paul asked about, he says, the tent of meeting was set up in Shiloh, 
in chapter in verse 1, chapter 18. Where do you see Shiloh mentioned moving forward in the Old Testament? Where else in the Old Testament do you read of Shiloh? This is the place where the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, is going to be set up. Where would you see it? Okay, Hannah goes to the house of God at Shiloh. All of them do. We see it mentioned in Joshua 18 and 19 quite frequently. It will also be mentioned in Judges 18, 17 through 21. So it's mentioned in Joshua 18... Beginning, it'll be mentioned in Judges 18 with some of those last events in the book of Judges. I think it's around verse 30 where they say the house of the Lord was in Shiloh. And then you get to what Christy mentioned in 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 3. It is stated plainly, 1 Samuel 1 and verse 3. Now this man, talking about Elkanah, the husband of the father of Samuel, this man would go up from his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there. In 1 Samuel, we will find quite a bit of information about this tabernacle at Shiloh as well. You'll notice in 1 Samuel it's mentioned in verse 9. After the people were eating and drinking in Shiloh, uh, it talks about how she goes to the temple of the Lord, it is called, um, in verse 24, the temple of the Lord in Shiloh. So, uh, verse 9, verse 24. But, uh, well, there are several references to the house of God in Shiloh in the early chapters in Samuel. It's going to be a stop. Nikki, did you have your hand raised or you just... Okay, okay. Couldn't tell if it was raised to ask a question or you're scratching there. But in first... Uh, look at 1 Samuel 3.21. The Lord appeared again at Shiloh because the Lord revealed himself to Samuel by, at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. But after 1 Samuel 4, after 1 Samuel 4, where the Philistines defeat Israel, Shiloh kind of disappeared. Now there's a reference to it in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 3, I believe it is, where uh, there's a reference to it there. But in that particular passage, in 1 Samuel chapter 14, it's referencing something that happened earlier. It's referencing how they're related to, uh, to the Eli uh, of um, Shiloh. So this place <coughs> ceased to be the religious center of the nation. Boy. Jeremiah mentions that okay. well, see what I did to Shiloh. Okay. Yes. It'll be mentioned in a couple of times afterwards. It's mentioned in Psalm 7860. 
it's mentioned as Boyd said in Jeremiah 7 verse 12 verse 14 and Jeremiah 26 I think 26 and verse uh, verse 6 and 9 verse 6 and 9 now what point is Jeremiah making in Jeremiah 7 and Jeremiah 26? Jeremiah 7 and Jeremiah 26 may be the same event. One of them emphasizing more the sermon Jeremiah preached. One of the others emphasizing the response of the sermon. Uh, it may have been, it may, it, did again, it may have been two different occasions. But, but he makes use of Shiloh twice. What is his overall theme? The overall picture in Jeremiah 7, Jeremiah 26? Something had happened to Shiloh um, because of the wickedness of the people of Israel. Okay. Whether it, I'm not sure if it says destruction or, or whatever. Okay. And what Jeremiah is doing in both these passages is he's warning that the temple is going to be destroyed. And he says the temple is God's going to do to this house in his time around uh, 600 A.D. or excuse me, B.C. 600 B.C. He is warning that God's going to do to this house what he did to the house of God in Shiloh about 450 or so years earlier. But he uses what happened at Shiloh as a warning that that is what's going to happen to this house at Jerusalem. It's Jeremiah 7 verse 11, by the way, that Jesus quotes from when he cleanses the temple and talks about how you've made my father's house a, a den of thieves. A den of thieves, a den of robbers. That phrase comes from Jeremiah 7 and verse 11. So the fact this is the house of God from Joshua 18 until the time of Eli at least is the house of God during this time. But God destroyed it even though that specific destruction is not recorded in Scripture. It was well known to the Jewish people and they later appeal to this, saying that's what's going to happen to you unless you repent. And um, they want to kill Jeremiah for that. This will never happen to this house. It will never happen to the temple. Well, indeed it did happen. That house was made like Shiloh. Uh, any, any other, Bob? The only other thing that comes to mind, I know we went past it, but... Uh... That's where uh, getting after Manasseh Gad Reuben built an altar there in, in Shiloh. Okay. That, that caused the contention between. Okay, in chapter 22, it's going to be there? Yeah. Okay, okay. Okay. I don't know if I remember that being the place. Um, All right, we're on the road. Yeah, I'm on the road. Okay, okay. Uh, we'll, if, if so, we can correct it when we get to 22. Uh, but, but we'll let that stand right now. Um, but anyway, any other questions about these first 10 verses? You notice Joshua tells these seven tribes that are left, they did not receive their inheritance. They each take three men. They are to search out the land, give some kind of description of the land that they are to write down 
They write down this copy about the land and they give it to they give it to uh, Joshua. And Joshua cast lots for the land that said most frequently. Sarah, you had a question? Well, it's actually a question about chapter 17. Okay. So, um, yeah. 17, verse 14. Then the sons of Joseph spoke to Joseph, saying, Why have you given me only one lot and one portion for inheritance, since I have a numerous people? And Joshua says, Okay, take more land if you want. And I'm just trying to figure out if... so. On our map, the area that Manasseh has yeah. on this side is that—that's not the original delineation, is it? As far as whether this is scaled to size, accurately. Well, like, like so, Manasseh got some land, and they said, "Hey, this is not enough. We need more." And Joshua said, "Okay, go take the hill country or whatever." So that would be with that little bit. You say we, uh, it, this is apparently the, this is pretty close approximation <coughs> of the land they are given. Um, the, some of it was very well forested. Uh, it see, he's telling you to take care of that. A lot of this land had already been deforested by the time Israel got there, uh, or. Uh, early, very early in history, and so largely there weren't as many trees. So, but there do seem to be in this area, and they're told to remove them. Now, I don't know if that touched your question. It didn't touch the question. And but the question again was: So, they're originally given a certain area, and they kind of complain about it yes. because it's not big enough. Yes. And Joshua says, "Okay, take more land." And so what I'm trying to figure out is, is this the the area okay. after they were told to take? I think that I think that I know what you're saying. I think the point they were saying it's not enough land because parts of the land were occupied. Okay. They are told drive out the okay. inhabitants of the land so that you will have more land. I think that was the point in verses 14 through 18. And, and their, their complaint is, well, you know, we're, we're numerous people and all this. And he said, okay, you're so numerous, you go out and beat the, uh, beat the enemy. And they said, well, no, we can't. They have orange, iron chariots. And, and it's interesting to me. And we know Joshua was a man of faith. Whole book reveals that. Numbers 13 and 14 reveal that. But he just said, listen, you're a numerous people. You go take care of it. He doesn't specifically mention the Lord, even though I think there's a consciousness in his mind that that's the only way victory comes. Uh, Bob and then Mindy. I repent. Israel gathered at Shiloh to go against... Okay, okay. But it does appear... It does appear in the account. We don't know for sure. Well, I was thinking. It's in the frontier, so that's not in the city, Okay. So. I would think, surely I would have remembered that that was at Shiloh, but, but, uh, but, but okay. Well, thank you for uh, a, a confession before we had to, to, to draw it out of him when we got to 22. So, very good. So, if you, it's just like in the Old Testament in Leviticus 5, if you confess your sin early, you paid less of a fine. So, we had, we had that. Okay, uh, yeah, you mentioned um, 17, 14, and 15, but just before that, if you look at 12 and 13, that's where yeah. Manasseh couldn't drive out the people 
And so then they come to Joshua, and I took Joshua's response as being kind of sarcastic. I did because yes. they said mm-hmm. we're too numerous. So I didn't see him it being an omission that he didn't mention God there, but rather, oh well, you're so numerous. Well, I gave you this land, yeah. and you couldn't drive it out. That's right. If you're, if you're so numerous, you can take care of this problem. Yeah, so. which you were supposed yeah. to do. And that could this. be the Lord told you to do it. So. Yeah, that, that could be. You, you could be right. That could be how he is answering that. Um, now, let's look at some of these places with associated with um, Benjamin. And um, first of all, uh, I, I, I hate to leave off any portion of Scripture. But I'm not promising much in reading of this. But we'll do what we can, okay? Now, the lot of the tribe of the sons of Benjamin came up according to their families, and the territory of their lot lay between the sons of Judah and the sons of Joseph. So, between Judah here and Joseph here, Ephraim and Manasseh, you got Benjamin right here. You get them caught between those. And, uh, and it said in verse 12, their border on the north side was from the Jordan. Then the border went up on the side of Jericho on the north and went up through the hill country westward. And it ended at the wilderness of Bethaven. For there the border continued to Luz, the side of Luz, that is Bethel, southward. And the border went down to Adaroth Adar near the hill which lies on the south of Lower Beth Horon. The border extended from there and turned round on the west side southward. And the hill which lies before Beth Horon southward and it ended at Kareth Baal, that is Kareth Jerem, a city of the sons of Judah. This was the west side. And the south side, as it's giving these boundaries, from the edge of Kiriath-Jerim to the border went westward and went to the fountain of the waters of Nephtoah. The border went down to the edge of the hill, which is in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, which is in the valley of Rephidim northward, and went down to the valley of Hinnom to the slope of the Jebusite southward and went down to Enrogel. It extended northward and went to in Shemesh and went to Gileath, uh, which is opposite the ascent of Adumim. And it went down to the stone of Bohan, the sons of Reuben. It continued to the side in the front of the Arabah northward and went down to the Arabah. The border continued to the side of Beth. Hagla northward, and the border ended at the north bay of the Salt Sea at the south end of the Jordan. This was the south border. Moreover, the Jordan was in the border on the east side. This was the inheritance of the sons of Israel according to their families, according to its borders all around. Now, after reading that, I don't know if I can do a whole lot more except make some obvious points that along the end of the Jordan and the, uh, the Dead Sea, that is one boundary here, and then he gives the north-south and west boundaries at all the texts, but this is pretty much the area that belonged to them. 
I wanted, did any of those names of places stand out to you all? Bethel does stand out. Bethel, that is Luz, which is also associated with Judah, is associated here with... um, Excuse me, it's not associated with Judah. Bethel was associated with Ephraim, and it is part mentioned as long their borders, along their northern borders. So they go up here, and they go also is mentioned... So Bethel is kind of on the northern border... And we talked about the golden calves at Dan and Bethel. But Bethel is on the northern border. And then you have the valley of Ben-Hinnom. And this would be a place along the southern border. And this is mentioned in verse 16. The valley of Ben-Hinnom. Now it also belongs to the tribe of Judah. So he's just giving some of the extremities. Like Bethel would be right above it, right north of it, the valley of Ben-Hinnom below. Now we did not talk about, because we had uh, 63 verses in Joshua 15, we did not talk about the valley of Ben-Hinnom. But this was a place, it became a place of human sacrifice. Horrible, horrible thing. It was a place of human sacrifice by Ahaz in 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 28. I believe it is verse 3, 2 Chronicles 28.3. Manasseh offered his children there as a sacrifice. 2 Chronicles 33 verse 6. And Jeremiah will refer to it as a place of human sacrifice. Uh, In Jeremiah 7, in verse 31 and 32. In Jeremiah 19, he mentions it in verse uh, 2 and 6. And, And there's some other references. There's some other references where it's mentioned as a place of human sacrifice. And I didn't even spell sacrifice correctly, but you get the idea. Now, who defiled this place so it could not be used that way? Do you remember? Josiah. Josiah does. Josiah defiles it so it could not be used for this purpose in Anymore, 2 Kings 23 and verse 10. Now, do any of you recognize the significance of the name of that place? The son of Hinnom. Okay. Valley of the son of Hinnom. Ben is the Hebrew word for son. The new, the, a, a Greek word for valley is gay uh, then I think I'm spelling it correctly that is the name for hell in the New Testament 
Hell is a place we often connected as a place of punishment. And I'm not minimizing that. I'm not minimizing that at all. But I am saying it was also a place of unthinkable evil. Unthinkable atrocity. And so this becomes the picture of the judgment of the wicked. And horrible thought. But this place becomes an object lesson for this. Um, In verse 21, here are some of their cities. Names of the cities of the tribes of the son of Benjamin, according to their families, were Jericho and Beth Hagla and Emek, Kaziz, Beth Araba, uh, Zimaram, Bethel, uh, Avim, Para, Ophrah, uh, and Chephar, Ammoni, and Oni and Geba, 12 cities with their villages, Gibeon, Ramah, Bereth, Mizpah, and Shephira, and Moza, and Rechem, and Irpil, and Tarla, and Zila, and Halef, and the Jebusite, that is Jerusalem, Gibeah, Kerioth, 14 cities with their villages. This is the inheritance of the sons of Israel according to their families. I don't know. That's a greater accomplishment than letting the bird out the other day. You may be able to read that text. The only one I can remember is Oprah. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, you do find some of these cities. Some, for example, in verse twenty-five, what role does Gibeon play in the Old Testament story? That's where the concubine is raped and uh, killed. Terrible, terrible story of Judges, um, Judges uh, 19 through 21. Now, what I want us to see, let's look at Benjamin in, in Old Testament times. One of the things that when you're talking about these tribes, a couple of places to go for information is to go back to the blessing of Jacob in Genesis Genesis 49. It's Genesis 49, 27. Someone, if they have that, can read it. But it talks about Benjamin as a ravenous wolf. Uh, Does anybody have that right there? Uh, Okay, I saw Andrew first, Brad. Go ahead. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning he devours the prey, and in the evening he divides the spoil. Okay, very good. A ravenous wolf. Uh, uh, Brad, if you want to read Deuteronomy 33, Deuteronomy 33, Moses, before his death, is doing the same kind of thing that Jacob did before his death. He is speaking of these various tribes. What does 33, 12 say, Brad? About Benjamin, he said, Let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him, for he shields him all day long, and the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. Okay. The Lord, the one the Lord loves 
rest between his shoulders. Now, um, there are a couple of stories that they will play a key part in. In Judges 5, verse 14, we see their part in Deborah's battles. Um, Deborah gives basically a roll call of the tribes and whether they joined in the battle or whether they didn't. And, and Benjamin uh, soldiers were, were helpful uh, in fighting with them. Who in the Old Testament, though, would you characterize as the most famous person from Benjamin? Saul. Saul would be. We are introduced to him in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1, and he is from the tribe of Benjamin. So Saul is, who in the New Testament mentions he was from the tribe of Benjamin? Paul does twice in Romans 11.1 and Philippians 3.5. But in 1 Samuel 9 and verse 1, there Saul is from the tribe of Benjamin. Now there are a couple of interesting things about that. But uh, before we get there, uh, after the kingdom divided, after the kingdom divided, Benjamin, Judah is one, it's nation. These tribes are another nation. Benjamin is pictured as associating with Judah. You just take a concordance and look up Benjamin, but particularly in 2 Chronicles 11, in the first four verses, this is where uh, Jeroboam, Rehoboam originally plans to go to war against Jeroboam. Right now, Rehoboam in Judah have the military advantage. They're organized, they're ready, they're going to go to war against the northern tribes. And it says he draws his army from Judah and Benjamin. Judah and Benjamin. So Benjamin is pictured as associating with Judah. And you see this over and over. I wrote down uh, about 15, 20 passages in my Bible today from uh, this that indicate that Judah and Benjamin were together. Now, but I want to say that wasn't always necessarily the case. Because you remember, after Saul died, the people of Hebron anointed him king. And he is originally king in Hebron or Hebron for a while. And remember, one of the sons of Saul rules over the rest of Israel. You remember his name? Ishbosheth, yes, very good. Ishbosheth. Ishbosheth is king. And Benjamin here and all the other tribes are against Judah. So in that case, Benjamin was fighting with Judah. Benjamin was allied with the other tribes, but it comes to be different a little bit later. Okay? Any questions there or thoughts? Yes. I, don't, I think it's interesting. You think of Jerusalem as being the capital city and of Judah, and yet it's actually within the bounds of the tribe of Benjamin, at least like right there on the border. 
Yes, it, it, it is in a lot of ways. And it's mentioned here in verse 28, as associated with Benjamin. It was also mentioned as associated with Judah. This is a statement that I have made to kind of help people to remember it, whether it's valid. In the early days of American history, when there was so much... Um, people were buying the, the, the colonies vying for power they took the District of Columbia and made it capital it wasn't really part of Maryland it wasn't really part of Virginia you know it could claim kind of being part of two states or just, and a certain way you got that here with Jerusalem where you've got a city that, that is identified with Judah it is identified with Benjamin as well and maybe that makes uh, more people feel they have a part in it. I don't know. I, I don't know. But obviously that was the city that the Lord selected. And I had never thought about it this way until a few years ago when I heard someone make this statement. Jerusalem becomes the most famous city in world history. But think about it. Who else would fit that description? thought that was an interesting description. But anything else on 18? Now, let's go to Simeon. Um, anybody volunteer to read 1 through 9? Uh, you will, Sarah? Go, go for it. Then the second lot fell to Simeon, to the tribe of the sons of Simeon, according to their families, and their inheritance was in the midst of the inheritance of the sons of Judah. So they had as their inheritance Beersheba, or Sheba, and Moladah, and Hazar Shual, and Bala, and Izem, and Eltolad, and Bethul, and Hormah, and Ziklag, and Beth Marakabah, and Hazar Shulachah. <laughs> you put an emphasis on it last syllable. Doing well, but go ahead. Shahruhin, 13 cities with their villages. Ayin, Riman, and Ether, and Ashan, four cities with their villages. And all the villages which were around these cities as far as Belabir, Rama of the Negev. This was the inheritance of the tribes of the sons of Simeon according to the families. The inheritance of the sons of Simeon was taken from the portion of the sons of Judah, for the share of the sons of Judah was too large for them. So the sons of Simeon received an inheritance in the midst of Judah's inheritance. Okay, very good. Very good. Very good. And, and most Hebrew words are accented in their last syllable. Uh, I'm just looking to survive pronouncing the word uh, most of the time. But so uh, Sarah's pronunciation Maybe pretty good there. So um, it, I looked at some of my sources, and this is what I found. The, the NIV Atlas stated that there are 17 cities that are mentioned here as belonging to Simeon, and 15 of them are also assigned to Judah. Now, I will say, I didn't find where all of them were assigned to Judah. Maybe they're not just dealing with the list here in Joshua chapter 19. Maybe they're dealing with some other places as well. But let's look at a little bit of Simeon's history. Now, who would you say is the most famous person 
in the Old Testament from sin. Who would you stay? Don't be thinking about it. But here is Simeon. Now, we talked about the blessing of Jacob. Genesis 49, 5-7. I think that many of you before told what happened in that passage. What was the blessing? Well, they weren't exactly blessed. They were uh, scattered. Yes, it's, it's called a blessing of Jacob, but you could question whether somebody's a blessing. But Simeon and Levi are going to be scattered. They're going to be scattered in the land. Now, one of the things that's interesting too, they are not mentioned, they are not mentioned in Deuteronomy 33. Simeon is not mentioned in that passage. And where we're looking for things that they did in the Old Testament, let's look at the first chapter of Judges. First chapter of Judges. Uh, in verse 1, the question is asked, Who shall go up first for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, verse 2, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have given the land into his hand. Then Judah said to Simeon his brother, Come up with me into the territory allotted with allotted me that we may fight against the Canaanites and I will in turn go with you into the territory allotted you. So Simeon went with him. So Simeon and Judah are brothers and they fight together in conquering their portion of the land in Judges 1-3 and that same point is made in Judges 1-17 where Simeon his brother, Judah went up with Simeon his brother. So that is a positive reference to Simeon and something that we see the tribe actively involved in. But I want to tell you something that's interesting to me. Uh, let's look in 2 Chronicles 15 in the days of Asa. 2 Chronicles 15. Asa would have been king about 910 to 869 BC. 910 to 869 BC. And in 2 Chronicles 15 in verse 9, I want you to pay attention to this. What is this telling us? He gathered all Judah. This is Asa, he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon who resided with them. For many defected to him from Israel while they saw the Lord his God was with him. What catches your attention about that, Brad? You say well, I mean, he did his part in trying to unite the divided kingdom and people saw that God was with him and because of that they okay. wanted to um, kind of um, convert from there, there is yeah there's to some degree of migration 
you know, a migration out of, um, today it would be out of California to Florida. Now it is out of the North Country to, uh, to Judah. And, uh, but, but this is what I was wanting you to notice too. Did you notice that Simeon is mentioned as among the northern tribes? Now, I find that interesting. Simeon is mentioned as among them. Did they just kind of move northward? That's not the only place. Look at 2 Chronicles 34. 2 Chronicles 34 in verse 6 and, six and 7. In the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, Simeon, as far as Naphtali, in their surrounding areas, he tore down the altars and beat the Asherim. This is talking about Josiah's reforms. And it again mentions that he carried his reforms into the tribe of Simeon. But Simeon is mentioned among those northern tribes. Josiah's time would have been around this revival around 626 or so uh, BC or 621, excuse me, BC. Now, there is a passage in 1 Chronicles 4 that deals with the tribe of Simeon and shows us in the time of Hezekiah, which would have been a hundred years before Josiah, they defeated some enemies. So it wasn't that they were a powerless people. It wasn't that they lost their identity. But it does seem that they either stay where they are or they move to the north. It seems like it's reasonable that they're moving to the north to me in some of these passages of Scripture. Um, Anything else you would say about Simeon? We didn't answer that question. Who's the most famous person? I don't know either. Um, you know, I, I'm, I, I didn't really come across anybody that was a prophet, priest, or king, or anything significant from Simeon. So you have Simeon within Judah, you have Benjamin. Now we're going to go to the tribe of Zebulun in verses 16, 10 through 16. Zebulun. Now, uh, Zebulun is mentioned in the blessing of Jacob in Genesis 49, verse 13. You can find, look that up and read it. Somebody read it in just a second. They're also mentioned in Deuteronomy 33, verse 18, in the blessing there. Um, anyone got those verses to read for us? Zebulun shall dwell at the seashore, and there shall be a haven for ships, and his flank shall be toward Sidon. Okay. Okay. So, uh, apparently, they were enriched some by their connection with Tyre and Sidon uh, because of where they were going to dwell. What's Deuteronomy 33, 18 say? And Zebulun, he said, Rejoice, Zebulun, in your going forth, and Issachar in your tents. Okay, very good. 
Now, a couple of places they play a part in Old Testament story. In the days of Gideon, in Judges 6, in verse 35, he gathers his army from Manasseh, gathers his army from Zebulun. They played a part in the battle of Gideon there. We do have a priest who is, excuse me, a judge who is from the land of uh, the land there, Elon. Now, Elon is a judge that you may have forgotten about. He's a minor judge. He's only mentioned a couple of verses, but he is from the tribe of Zebulun. There's also a Bethlehem in Zebulun, which if that may also refer to, uh, that may connect him with another judge, Ibsen. But look in verse 13. Do you see the name Gath Heber? That, that term's only used one other time in the Old Testament. You know who that would be? Which from Gath Heber? 2 Kings 14.25 Jonah, son of Amittai. Now, in the last few minutes, I want to try to explain something here. Assyrian Babylon, if we project, project this as a map of all the ancient Near East, uh, Assyrian Babylon, Assyria would be over here, Babylon over here, or vice versa. <laughs> but, but they would be, but they were over here, but they wouldn't have marched in a straight line if they were going to attack. You had to travel along a river to give your army something to drink. And so for these nations like Assyria and Babylon from Mesopotamia to attack, they had to travel alongside the river and come here this way. The first nations, when an enemy from Mesopotamia invaded, the first nations to be oppressed by the boot of a foreigner would have been Naphtali, they would have suffered first. There is a reason that Jonah wanted Assyria destroyed. Assyria was one of the most brutal and ruthless nations of the world. I don't think if we would have seen what Assyria did, any of us would have trouble understanding Jonah. I don't sympathize with his disobedience running the wrong direction I do sympathize with his desire for their destruction it's not just a racial thing it is a matter of right and wrong these are brutal and ruthless people and it would have been his tribe that would have been among the first people to suffer when an enemy invader came Jonah, and by the way that passage that mentions Jonah from Gathkeeper is 2 Kings 14.25 and there is a prophecy made in Isaiah 9 1 and 2 O Zebulun and Naphtali you who sat in darkness you will see a great light you who dealt in great darkness upon you a light will shine that passage 
is quoted in the New Testament in Matthew 4, verses 15 and 16 to describe the ministry of Jesus. And Jesus' ministry was in a lot of this area, in the area that the Old Testament would have been controlled by Naphtali and Zebulun. This land that experienced such oppression, such violence, this land of darkness was going to see a great light in Jesus Christ and His ministry. So, Jonah, Gath-Heper, again that was verse 13 of Joshua chapter 19. And um, any questions right there or ideas about that? Kind of interesting that Jesus invaded Naphtali's everywhere. Yes, yeah, yes, that's right. <laughs> he invades it in a peaceful way to give light to the people who were in darkness. Uh, yes, absolutely. A very peaceful invasion by the true King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We did not get to read those verses. So Paul, whatever y'all do Sunday, uh, read those verses from verses 10 through 16. Where we can at least say we've read the text. And um, so just be listening. Be ever ready near your computer to get more information and instruction from Paul as to what y'all are going to cover, Lord willing, on Sunday and Wednesday night. But no other questions as you uh, leave. So, we, we're going to have to have a big test at the end. Make sure all of you can draw this map. So, be working on it. It is. <laughs>
That's right. Yeah, he did, but too good because he don't make a bad report. So. I was going to say, the trick is read with confidence. So yeah, that's right. Like that's you know a trick. You Did you mean, were you mean to act like one more? You're doing well with that. You get a kickback, but it's not any of my issues, right? I know. I'm not an email, so they will not stop. Yeah, so I'm not an email. Okay, yes. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, Carter. Hey, Emma. 